Welcome to the Enneagram with Chelsea Nicoel. This is a positively deviant culture podcast anchored in the Enneagram. And this is the third part of our series on the type nine. Before we get into the topic for this episode, which is the paradoxes, we have a quick reminder. Every episode, I want to remind listeners that this isn't a prescriptive fix tool and that our conversations are designed to work with the material and the ideas in an exploratory way. So as long as I've been working with the Enneagram, my knowledge and application continues to evolve as I kind of explore and new language and framing. So that's what we're here to do is to keep learning. Yeah. And I'm loving this partnership because I'm learning so much, of course, but also I'm bringing hopefully the perspective of those who are listening and learning to the conversation to ask questions, to gain clarity and to push back in areas where we don't understand or we see something else happening in the world and understand your take on it. In this particular episode, as I mentioned, we're talking about paradoxes. And so it's a continuation from the core brilliance where the opposite also becomes true. I mean, I think that this is our favorite, one of our favorite um, segments, right, Chelsea? Because yes. this is something I feel like is very missing, not just in our understanding of the Enneagram, but it is a framing that I use in life, is that humans are comprised of so many paradoxes. And I feel that the ultimate kind of secret parts of reality and truth exist also in, in paradox. And so here we are kind of looking at like, how, what does this mean um, in terms of each type? And so what it really is, is it's the inversion of the best. So how each type, the brilliances of each type, um, when they're misused, um, because we're all imperfect, so we're all misusing our brilliances and our strengths and the things that we're gifted to do, especially when we're under stress, they become the opposites. And this is the paradox. So all of these brilliances that we discussed in, in the first episode on nines about their ability to be transcendent and connected to essence and, you know, how everything belongs and this deep ability to have acceptance and presence and right, all these things. Well, we can go through each one and we can see how that becomes the opposite yeah, I mean, I think the first one that stands out to me, which by the way, a quick note, um, I'm always very interested in people's desire to type themselves and type others. And we've talked previously about how this can be very challenging because if you're looking at a type and noticing, wait a minute, that's not, that's not a nine quality. That's the exact opposite of the nine. That's actually potentially a hint that you're located in a space where all of these things can be true in the same person at the same time. And it goes back to the overusing of the strengths and, and how that becomes a misapplication. So that's just a reminder from my perspective about the complexity and as you're looking at people and experiencing people and locating your own type, that it's not so cut and dry. There's a lot happening all at once. And I think the paradoxes help us understand not only what some of the outward expressions of these types look like, but also where it's coming from. And so I know a big um, behavior that we often hear linked to nines is this kind of sloth-like apathy. And I would just classify it as withdrawal. And so if we talk about presence and being transcendental and being whole, then the opposite is true. Then this is just sort of this disengagement. One, it's a great reminder that, you know, the whole point of the Enneagram is, is trying to locate what's invisible 
and, and not look at the behaviors or what is visibly apparent, right? So nines drive to, to reach this connected state um, requires a lot of um, internal capacity, attention, and and energy. And so simultaneously, nines can not go there. <laughs> Again, the paradox. So what that means is when nines are not connected and not present. And so we can just start with the lack of presence. Nines actually struggle with presence. So even though it's their core gift of like I noted in the first episode where nines can show up and when they're absolutely connected and, and present and um, located in themselves, this is, is almost a supernatural experience that they provide everyone else around them. When they're not connected and not present, there is this it's almost this strange resistance and it's a disassociative state and nines struggle with this. Nines can be easily disassociated, easily pop into their heads and exit the world, exit the physical world and go into a realm of um, make-believe and imagination and um, daydreaming and spend uh, a lot of time there as a way to escape reality. And so here, here's the paradox, right? When at their best be super present in order to navigate that, which is real and, and have the ultimate capacity for everything to belong, that they can simultaneously in, in moments be completely disintegrated from that and not be present at all. So much so where it often looks like nines are falling asleep where they will be sitting there and others around them will be like, uh, hello, <laughs> is anyone there? Because they're physically present and yet they're not at all present. And so that's what this part of the, of the, of a paradox for nines looks like. It feels the same counterbalance where it's like this quiet, calm, passive, but it's still like a stubbornness and a resistance through withdrawal. And I find that very interesting because nothing they're doing is overt or externalized necessarily. It's always this kind of quiet and subdued perspective, but we're still able to see the duality of that. And I think, you know, daydreamers, that kind of label that we've given to some people kind of fits this perspective of just kind of wrapping up, getting cozy, pulling back and like not wanting to deal with the reality of the world. Yeah. And let's be clear that this is more of an internal um, emotional place. It's a mischaracterization to, uh, to think that all nines are calm and passive and chill. There are many nines who are not at all that can be very engaged and, and social and loud and partiers and, you know, the life of the party. So what we're talking about here is an, an internal state. And the source of this internal disassociation is that it requires an, a certain kind of emotional work that doesn't come easily to nines. That's like a reservoir of energy that nines get depleted of very easily, more, more easily than the rest of us, actually. But it's not a mental energy. It's not a physical energy. It's an emotional energy that is drained quickly for nines. And when you speak to nines, they're very aware of this. <laughs> they're very aware that they, they lose energy very quickly for um, the relational things, the, um, the more emotional things, uh, less intellectual, less physical. And so 
that's at a point when they feel depleted that they have to exit, withdraw, or disassociate depending on, you know, um, how disintegrated they are in an instance, right? So that is one point of, of clarification. Um, another point to bring up this kind of stubbornness, or and I don't know if you use the word stubbornness, but you did say withdraw, um, Chelsea, is that this quality of being the immovable mountain, which is fierce and awesome and strong. The paradox is when there's nothing that is requiring um, an immovable mountain in a moment. <laughs> yeah. So nines actually, one thing that is that is less understood about nines or less seen is that they are actually the most stubborn of all nine types. They don't seem like it though. So nines can seem easy breezy. They can often appear, like we've said, to go with the flow. In yeah. reality, they can dig in and be more stubborn than the rest of us. It's just not visible. It's not apparent. They're not obviously taking a stand. They're just not moving. And this is the same quality of the immovable mountain, right? So it's it's misapplied. It, and it's it's more of a circumstantial thing when when there's moments where an immovable mountain is so necessary and needed, and then there's moments where okay, we we need to be moved. We need to be able yeah. to be engaged and moved and change. And nines will um, dig in and not at all move. All right, that's interesting. What's another paradox? Another paradox is the relationship that nines have with resistance and anger, which is in the same space of stubbornness, because nines actually at their best, you know, will flow as we've discussed, right? They'll hit this, the correct balance between being the immovable mountain and flow. And that gets upset, you know, in, in the paradox where they'll be stubbornly fixed when they should be moving and they'll flow when they should be confronting. So this piece of confrontation is that nines, it, their average or worst state will avoid conflict. And yet the very thing that they're designed to do is to create peace. And there is no peace without engaging conflict. So this is a very interesting paradox here because nines will trick themselves into a state of peace by avoiding anything that could disrupt the peace. But that isn't true peace. True yeah. peace is when you have to resolve the conflict. And so this is a very interesting place to work with with nines is that nines at their best will engage every moment. And they're the perfect person to engage conflict because they're the most objective. They have the least amount of bias and they're logical and fair and have the least personal agenda. So they are the most equipped to actually create, instigate peace and to resolve and repair. And yet when they avoid any of these moments, they're being the worst <laughs> person. Mm -hmm to help create peace because they're just stubbornly going to avoid all conflict. In order to do that, they have to lose their presence because they have to ignore the conflict. They have to not see it and they have to lose contact with others, with themselves, with the circumstance. We talked a little bit about energy earlier and like the energy, even to plan something, it has to come from a reservoir. And you talked about how theirs isn't that deep. I definitely see this. And I think maybe that's 
that's mapping out to a future episode about them being misunderstood, but you created the lens of emotional energy versus an actual, you know, physical energy to like do something or plan something. Do you see a parallel there or how would you expand on that? Yeah, I think that this emotional reservoir um, is available when nines are connected to themselves and connected to what we're calling essence or, you know, source. When nines are connected to this kind of quality of essence and source and connected to themselves, they're able to tap into this reservoir because that's where the reservoir exists ultimately. And so the capacity is very high when they're present and connected. Mm. As soon as they lose contact though, it is gone. And nines struggle with finding the energy and the, the reservoir in which to engage all of the you know, shit and problems of life. And so what will happen in an average state is they will disengage because they will become overly committed to comfort and a sense of peace rather than true peace and they'll just need to escape. And so mm -hmm. all of the qualities of escape tend to be the very opposite of what presence is. <laughs> so, you know, we have the ability to understand how all things belong and, and acceptance will turn to resistance and stubbornness, right? And um, their ability to be objective and at least amount of bias, they'll get very fixated on, uh, on being um, judgmental and critical, even though no one will know it, right? It's very internal. So, you know, th this is the flip, right? This is what the, the paradox reveals is that it's the same place from which all of these qualities emerge. So do the destructive parts of our nature for each type. Yeah. And going back to the core brilliance, like, oh, it's so inspiring. We're so lucky to have nines in our world and in our lives. And then the opportunity when it's missed is so potentially devastating. And this is not unique to the nine. This is for all types where you can just see the magic that can happen. We talked about them just being able to walk into a room and not have to do anything and put people at rest and at ease and be heroic in a sense. But that requires walking into the room, right? And like being there and like being fully embodied and very present. I guess that's the the challenge. That's the the life task is to aim at being integrated and healthy in that state. That is the challenge. And that's the reason why we talk about the paradox is because it is the spectrum from which each of us live inside. You know, the, the best can be misused and actually be the most destructive opposite. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. and it's important to understand how each one of us does that. I liked when you kind of like started mentioning a couple of them back to back, just like the look and feel and the flavor of many of these dualities where anything we're using to describe the nine and their core brilliance can also be, you know, flipped. I think that the most secret spot of the paradox for the nine is in this relationship to peace and conflict and how nines will trick themselves into avoiding conflict as the experience of real peace when it's not. And the, the path to peace is through engagement, through presence, through courageously confronting. And nines at their best can do this. And yet um, it is so easy <laughs> to do the opposite. And, and, and most nines are actively avoiding conflict when the very thing they're designed to do in the world and so much a part of their existential job is to engage 
and confront that which is not as it should be and is not aligned and is out of harmony in order to put it in its right place. And we desperately need nines to help us do this because they are the best. And then how uh, paradoxical and, and ironic it is when, when it's the thing that they avoid at all costs. And they're seeking wholeness. So they see like opportunities for everything to have its place versus sort of trying to like civilize the world or, or create justice for those who can't advocate for themselves. I know there's so many nuances and flavors here. So nines are designed to create existential peace. That's not easy. <laughs> and peace <laughs> actually is complicated in the way that true peace means that everything has a potential to have its place and belong. And then also to rid that which doesn't belong, which is more extreme and, you know, that needs help and support, right? So this is why we need all nine types and all of us to, to achieve such in, insanely <laughs> impossible yeah. tasks. We can't dismiss like how complicated peace is when you're, when you are dealing with millions, well, or billions of people who all have their own perspective, their own needs, their own agendas, um, and all the politics that that creates. And the stresses that that creates, not just on individuals and communities and uh, provinces and in and, and countries and right, but also for, for the planet. And nines tend to be pretty connected to all of the forces of reality, not just humans and relationships, but also to nature and the disruptions and the problems that um, a lack of harmony creates for the world in which we depend on. So it, it ends up being, being something uh, wildly expansive and easily to be overwhelmed by. And so nines are honestly overwhelmed uh, often. I mean, come on, humans. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not difficult to be overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm really glad we got to this point because I think each type is burdened with their existential job in the world. And as I was doing some research and reading through some really great writing on the Enneagram, when it comes to the nine, which was Richard Rohr, he was writing about, you know, traveling into all these villages and Africa and the Philippines and all these places and like so many nines there. And there was a notion that like we were all nines until other needs got in the way, right? Like the need for security and the need to, for all these other, you know, jobs that we have in the world. But the, the writing actually came back to this point, like we could entrust the world to the type nine because they're after peace. And there was also this element of like their good consciousness. And I just thought that was a really beautiful way to think about like what we really want and need this world peace. And also what a challenge that is and what a weight that can be. Well, I like that notion. I think it is a beautiful notion and it doesn't need to be necessarily perfectly true um, in order to try that on and to uh, experience that in a poetic way. I, I think that there's, mm. there's value in that. And nines at their best have the least personal agenda. Um, which is what is required to create peace is that we're all in this together <laughs> and we have to figure this out and that peace actually requires a certain kind of trust and acceptance, surrender, um, which I do think is a place of the nines where there is this uh, ability to, to have mutual surrender and to trust uh, what is and to just exist in the, the presence of 
what we have and, <laughs> and who we are, right? Which is more about being. And I do think that there's a nuance between becoming and being. Being is something that's just in the moment or that you are fully present and embodied in what you are at a more essential nature. You're, you're, the essence is present and fully embodied. And, and I think this is what nines can do, which is a little, and maybe even sometimes a lot different than becoming. You automatically have me thinking about, okay, how are all the ways that we can leverage the nines around us? And we think about this huge task that we're up against, but also thinking about even like in our companies and in our families and the role that they serve. And we've talked from the sixth perspective about a lot of invisible work happening behind the scenes that oftentimes is never used. I think for the nine, there's tremendous loads of invisible work that is happening to negotiate these just daily interactions. And so I'm really looking forward to unpacking that in the next episode, as well as how we can find the nine within us and reach into the fact that we're able to integrate into each of these types. If you are interested in getting in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. We posted a link to our LinkedIn bio. So just scroll up and in the description, you'll find us. If you're interested in continuing your journey in the Enneagram, thanks so much for listening. 